This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Downing Street announced that Rishi Sunak would meet Ursula von der Leyen on Monday. Britain's Prime Minister and the President of the European Commission are reportedly very close to a deal on reforming Northern Ireland's post-Brexit trading arrangements, among the most vexed issues in Britain's divorce from the EU. MPs were told to attend Parliament on Monday, possibly in anticipation of a vote on any agreement. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, sacked a senior military commander in the country's eastern Donbass region. He gave no reason for the removal of Eduard Moskalov, though Russia claimed to have made advances near Bakhmut, a city in the Donbass, over the weekend. Meanwhile, in a speech, Russian President Vladimir Putin cast the war in existential terms, alleging the West was intent on breaking up Russia. At least 59 people died when a boat carrying about 150 migrants sank off of Italy's southern coast. A dozen children, including a baby, were among the dead. Some 105,000 people tried to claim asylum in Italy in 2022. Many attempted to reach the country by crossing the Mediterranean Sea in flimsy vessels from North Africa. Italy's anti-immigration prime minister, Giorgia Maloney, expressed, quote, deep sorrow for the victims. The Wall Street Journal reported that America's Department of Energy has concluded albeit with, quote, low confidence, that the COVID-19 pandemic was caused by a leak from a Chinese laboratory. The FBI came to the same conclusion with, quote, moderate confidence in 2021. Other American government agencies disagree, but the Energy Department's view is based on new intelligence, according to classified sources. Thales, a big French defence contractor, announced plans to hire 12,000 new staff this year. The chief executive, Patrice Kane, said in an interview that demand for many of its products was strong. Since the start of the war in Ukraine, the share prices of several defence companies have surged. President Emmanuel Macron recently pledged to increase French defence spending by a third. Jordan hosted a meeting between Israeli and Palestinian security officials in an attempt to stop a recent surge in violence between the two sides. Both committed to, quote, de-escalation. Israel also pledged to stop authorising new settler outposts in the occupied West Bank for six months. Other regional powers attended, as well as Brett McGurk, advisor on the Middle East to President Joe Biden. And newspapers across America, including USA Today and The Washington Post, dropped the long-running Dilbert cartoon strip after its creator, Scott Adams, called black Americans a, quote, hate group. Mr Adams was responding on his YouTube channel to a poll that purported to show that around a quarter of black Americans disagreed with the statement, quote, it's okay to be white. The cartoons which lambast corporate life have run since 1989. 
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Zoom's post-pandemic pain. On Monday, Zoom, a video conferencing service, announces its fourth quarter results. The firm became a household name during the pandemic as lockdowns forced more work and play online. Its market capitalization peaked at $162 billion in October 2020. At the time, it was the world's 65th most valuable company. Zoom has since fallen back down to earth. Today, it is worth about the same as it was before the pandemic, compared with a rise of 24% for the S&P 500 index of big American firms over the same period. Other pandemic darlings, such as Netflix, a video streaming company, and Peloton, a seller of internet-connected exercise bikes, have also returned to pre-pandemic values. The market and many others thought the shift to digital would be more permanent than it proved to be. Zoom, however, has other problems. It faces growing competition from Teams, Microsoft's video conferencing product, and a looming recession is forcing IT departments to tighten their purse strings. Revenue growth has slowed to a trickle. Being a household name only helps so much. Brexit and Northern Ireland Rishi Sunak, Britain's prime minister, is poised to announce a deal with the European Union over Northern Ireland. In 2020, the Brexit Treaty, bashed out by the then-Prime Minister Boris Johnson, avoided a border with Ireland by leaving the province, but not the rest of the United Kingdom, in the EU single market for goods. That necessitated a border in the Irish Sea. The New Deal creates a green lane for goods not going to the EU that minimizes customs checks. Britain will set VAT and state aid rules, and the EU will consult Northern Ireland on new single market rules. Yet there are opponents to Mr. Sunak's deal. The Democratic Unionist Party, Northern Ireland's largest pro-Britain party, wants the original protocol scrapped entirely before it returns to Northern Ireland's power-sharing executive. Mr. Johnson prefers to stick to a bill allowing the government unilaterally to tear up the protocol. And many Tories are unhappy that the European Court of Justice will retain a role in Northern Ireland. Unless Mr. Sunak wins round these critics, his deal could fall apart. The House's Bullish New China Committee Quote, There is a bipartisan consensus that the era of trusting communist China is over, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives, told legislators on January 10th. Hours later, the House approved the creation of a new China Select Committee. The bipartisan group, created to investigate divisive areas of China-America relations, has no legislative authority, but it can issue subpoenas and hold hearings. Its first is planned for this week. The chair, Mike Gallagher, a 38-year-old Republican and former Marine Intelligence officer, has already identified early priorities. The speedier delivery of approved arms to Taiwan, investigating the Chinese government's human rights abuses, and the activities of TikTok, a Chinese social media app. Beyond the committee's potential to annoy Xi Jinping, China's president, there are other concerns. It may nudge President Joe Biden towards a more confrontational stance on China, which could alienate America's European allies. Others worry that the hearings may fuel anti-Asian violence in the country. South Korea's Political Prosecution on Monday, South Korea's parliament takes an unprecedented vote on whether to allow the arrest of Lee Jae-myung, leader of the Minju Party and the main rival of Yoon Suk-yeol, the country's president and representative of the People Power Party.
Prosecutors have for months been investigating Mr. Lee in connection with a string of corruption probes. He denies all wrongdoing and has criticized Mr. Yoon, a former chief prosecutor, for acting like a dictator. No light charge given South Korea's history of brutal repression by despots. Mr. Lee is unlikely to get banged up. Parliament must consent to the arrest of one of its own, and Minju has a commanding parliamentary majority. That may not prevent prosecutors from indicting him. What seems sure is that the investigations will continue to consume South Korean politics to the exclusion of almost everything else, making cooperation on legislation more tricky. Unfortunately, such gridlock is becoming all too normal. Dancing on the Margins Among the most spellbinding TV moments of recent years is the house party scene in Lover's Rock, about West Indian communities in London in which the cast danced to Janet Kaye's hit Silly Games. People sway, a couple leave seeking greater privacy. The record finishes, but the partygoers keep it going a cappella. The camera is right in the mix, unobtrusive but intimate. Emma Warren, a culture writer, acknowledges this scene in her new book, Dance Your Way Home, A History of Dancing. In the book, Ms. Warren explains why she believes dancing is so important to life. It builds communities, enhances social cohesion, cultivates relationships. But she also finds that dance venues often come under threat from the authorities. In Britain, for instance, youth clubs have their public funding cut, nightclubs fall foul of regulations. The Lover's Rock Party was held in a house because mainstream venues weren't safe for immigrants. Ms. Warren's is a story of a joyful act, often pushed to the margins. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Monday. What is the stage name of the rapper and record producer Sean Carter? Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Steinbeck, who was born on this day in 1902. The discipline of the written word punishes both stupidity and dishonesty. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app to start listening.